Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. Cool, so we are finishing up our theme on honor this month. That's the last Wednesday of the month already. Can you believe April's already like Bethel Knight threw us off last week, right? Crazy. And we had Chris Dupre here the week before, though. Oh, my gosh. Should we have him back again? Yeah, okay, good. We'll do that. We'll work on that one. Um, But we are, our theme is called for this month, what? The Good Life. And we're, all right. We're just, we're covering this whole reality of what it looks like to live in honor toward other people around you, toward, toward yourself, toward God, honoring his presence, even in the time when we're worshiping or when you're at your home all by yourself and you open your Bible and just say like, God, I just want to honor some time with you right now. And to say like, I value something in somebody else. Dylan said it really well the first week. He's like, honor is to, to treat and look or to see others as better than yourself. I would say also that honor is simply looking and finding, seeking, and establishing the value for those around you, whether it's God, whether it's your parents, whether it's your siblings. I know some of these are harder than others, right? But it may be your teacher. It may be the police. It might be the government. It's all these different realms that we have this opportunity, and I don't say it's an obligation because nobody's obligated to honor. So all that our honor becomes is an opportunity for you to step into what we would call and what the Bible calls and what God has promised is the good life. For those who honor well, there are blessings, there is favor. God actually exalts those who honor well and live in honor. Okay, You look through Scripture and you read the stories of great men and women of God. They, they aren't written in the book because they were so-so generally, right? You get most of the great heroes of the faith that you read in the Bible. You look at Daniel's, right? We talked about this on Sunday in Lyft, right? Daniel, pretty amazing dude, right? Ripped out of his home country. Most of his people were slaughtered. The rest of them were spread out all the way through the Babylonian Empire. Daniel gets put right in the palace of the ruler of all those people, right? Gets like, okay, now you're going to learn how to be a Babylonian and forget everything about your culture. Be like ISIS, rolling into America, slaughtering your entire family, taking you over to the Middle East and putting you in the palace of the head of ISIS and saying, you're going to serve him for the rest of your life. And you're going to learn his ways and you're going to forget how to be an American. And God says to Daniel, Daniel knows this and does it so incredibly well, says, I'm going to honor that man. And for 81 years, Daniel lived in the kingdom of Babylon under the wicked kings that destroyed his people. And while he never said that what they were doing was right, he treated them with the honor that was due because God had put them in position. And Daniel is written in the book as this great and mighty man. And we see all these incredible things that you start to fit pieces together and you see, okay, Daniel ended up having an influence on a guy named Cyrus, who was one of the last kings that he was under, right? Cyrus wrote documents that our constitution was derived from here in America. Okay? Hello, right? Really cool little stuff. Other parts of that is Daniel established what we believe to be a prophetic school, because he was a prophet, right? A prophetic school in the 
east and trained and taught people, young men and women probably, to, to seek what God was doing and to look to the future and see what God was doing. Daniel, for 81 years, honored a, a kingdom and was humbly living under totally ruthless authority. Thrown in the lion's den, you know that story? His friends got thrown in the fiery furnace, some really bad dudes. And their choice was to honor the authority that was in front of them and look and go like, and even when the king comes to Daniel, right, he comes to at the lion's den, comes the next day, and it's like, oh, dear king, Daniel cries out from the lion's den. Wouldn't you be like, you jerk, get me out of here. Like, we'd have a whole different perspective, right? And the first king that Daniel translates the dreams or interprets the dream for, it's an awful dream about the king. The king goes, I had this dream. It's like this, and, and it's like this, and tell me what it means. And Daniel goes, oh, dear king, I wish this was about your enemies and not about you. What? What kind of attitude puts a man in that kind of place? And that all, again, I was kind of started down this trail, started this school of the prophets teaching, hey, guys, put the funds away. You don't need them, I promise, okay? He starts this school of the prophets, and then we find in the, in the story of Jesus' birth, right? Who comes to find Jesus at his birth? Wise men from where? The east. What's east of Bethlehem? Babylon. Probably students of the school of Daniel who sought for the Messiah to come and rescue the people that Daniel and his people were, were the Israelites. They waited, the Israelites waited for centuries for this Messiah to come and to rescue and to restore authority to God's people. And Daniel lived a life of authority without ever seeing the full fruit of it. And we look at his life and go like, that guy lived the good life in a place of crazy honor in the face of terrible problems. So I say to every one of you, your home situation might not be perfect. Your school situation might not be perfect. You probably, if you drive, are going to face a guy with lights on top of his car at some point. And you may or may not have done anything wrong. Right? Anybody? Yeah, raise your hand. Yep. Been there. Okay. Praise the Lord. It's been a long time since I've done that. Had that moment. But seriously, whether you've done something right or wrong, Daniel was not at fault when he was put in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. But he honored what it was. Without, uh, without endorsing the wrong behavior of what was happening. Does that make sense? This is a big cultural issue to your whole world right now. It's this whole, like, I don't have authority. Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody's in charge of my life. No cop's going to tell me to, like, does this make sense? My teachers are idiots. My parents are dumb and don't know anything. And the cops are just beating up on people, and they're all corrupt. It's like, okay, look, there are faulty people all around you. Guess what? There always will be. Okay? The problem is when you become one by dishonoring and taking into your own hands the judgment of human beings and not letting God be who he's meant to be. That's what honor looks like is saying, I see that everyone around me is wrong. How many of you would have a hard time <laughs> pointing out the wrongdoing of someone else, someone else in this room? You'd pro no, we would all be able to go like, well, he's that, and he's that. You know, you all could find something wrong with me, right? I say too much, right? Okay. Do you follow? How hard is it to find fault in people? 
Not very hard. But guess what? It's not our job. Our job is to honor those around us, look and go, hey, there's something in you that no one else is calling out, and I'm interested in it. Does this make sense? It says, like, I've heard this statement. I don't know who actually made it up. I keep hearing it. It's been, like, around a whole lot. It doesn't take a genius to find dirt, right? If I said everybody, on the count of three, run outside, first person to find dirt gets a million dollars, I mean, it would, take, it would take all of eight seconds and I would be more than in debt. Okay? Like, or if, even if I said everyone who finds dirt will get a million dollars, it would be like, like, no problem. If I went out or if I went right now and I said, if anybody in the next half hour can find me a pound of gold, I'll give you a million dollars. That would take, listen, there is a potential that some of you in this room could accomplish it. But that isn't common. It takes somebody with some ability, some discernment, some smarts to find gold, no matter where it might be. Do you follow what I'm saying? You could all find dirt real easy on somebody. doesn't take a genius to do that. It takes somebody with something special to dig the gold up in, in other people's lives around you. Does that make sense? This is what honor looks like because your culture is full of it. My gosh, our culture. It's not just yours, right? Our culture, full of it. doesn't take long on social media to find somebody getting run down and the dirt on somebody, right? Watch TMZ. Come on, right? It's like that's all they do is find dirt. They're not geniuses. That's pretty easy to do if that's all you're looking for. But how often does TMZ honor somebody? Never. Why are we fascinated by a world of stupidity that's so easy? Like, of course you can find dirt on Brad Pitt. Who? Right, exactly, yeah. Or there's a whole lot of them that are even easier than that. How about Justin Bieber, right? How has the news treated that guy? Seriously, how has the news treated Justin Bieber? Honor, dishonor. Guess what you're starting to see more and more if you look for it about Justin Bieber? He's a sold-out believer in Jesus Christ who has not completely become perfect in a week. I know sometimes Christians are like, well, if he got saved, why is he doing that still? Okay, why are you? If you got saved, why are you still doing what you do? Because we're in a process, and so is Justin Bieber. But how cool was the video a couple months back? Justin Bieber drops in his concert in Paris. I could sing of your love forever for like a half an hour, and the crowd is worshiping to a church song. Right? The news didn't cover that because they're not geniuses. It takes a genius to find gold in the people around you and to call it out. What does that look like? That's first of all realizing that there's gold in you and you're actually a genius. Honoring yourself, right? The Bible's pretty clear, right? You, were, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. What was the price you were bought with? Sorry. The blood of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, right? And it says, therefore, honor God with your bodies because you are a 
temple of the Holy Spirit. That's gold. That's not dirt. Temples aren't built with dirt. Huts are built with dirt. Temples are built. Solomon's Temple, you ever heard of it? It's covered, coated in gold. Still the most expensive building ever constructed in all of human history. Still to this day. Even, what is it, Dubai does not have a building more valuable than Solomon's Temple. That's crazy cool. Anyway, you, guys up here, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And then God goes on to say, okay, two commandments, right? Jesus clarifies it all, sums it down. They had 613 laws that they all had to obey. Jesus goes, let's make it real simple. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. There's a part of honoring yourself that's absolutely essential and required to being able to honor the people around you is actually being able to realize that you're amazing without taking credit for it. That's the difference between confident and cocky punk. Because the minute you realize you're amazing, you have to decide what the source of that amazing is. Because here's the, here's the real deal. Hands down, I don't care who you are in this room, what you've done, where you've been, what your life's like, you're amazing. Who will you give credit for your amazingness? Well, I'm pretty awesome <laughs> at all that I do. <laughs> you know, like, do you see where that goes? Or I go like, man, what God is doing in my life is incredible. Without him, I'd be totally messed up. Right? But I'm amazing, not because of my great achievements, but I can honor my own self and be like, look, and I know this is something I struggle with so bad, is like self-deprecation. Is that the right word? It's like a big word, right? Where it's like you run yourself down to kind of compliment other people around you. Like I regularly, and I'm like, every time I do it, I'm like, why did I say it again? Like I'm regularly saying that Dylan is twice the man I am because he's running twice as far this weekend as I am. And that's the kind of crap that I'm like, oh, devil, get out of my mind. And not to say like, oh, wow, I'm actually so much better than Dylan. But the reality to to tear myself down gives me no ability to actually honor who he is because I love my neighbor as myself, who's only half good. So what do I have to offer Dylan if I'm only half happy about who I am? Does that make sense? There's this crazy reality that has to come into play. And like Steve was saying, Jesus was incredible at this. He pulled guys like Zacchaeus, who the entire city hated, and little, some little curiosity in Zacchaeus put him in a tree. Jesus walks under and goes, dude, hey, come here. Go into your house today. And he's like, me? <laughs> you know, like, me? And everybody else was going, him? <sighs> and Jesus was like, yeah, he's the guy. And something in the conversation, I love that the Bible hides this stuff, but at the same time, I wish they would write it down and give us the answers of what Jesus said at Zacchaeus' house at dinner. Because somewhere in the conversation, Jesus dug the gold out of Zacchaeus' life, honored him, came to his house, which in that culture, that was a big deal. Okay, it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to eat dinner at your house and clean out your fridge. It's like back in that day, it was like, you want to come to my house to eat? That was huge. So Jesus honored this guy, digs the gold up out of him in this conversation that we may never know what happened. And Zacchaeus, in one dinner session, 
goes, man, everything I've stolen from every single person, I'm going to pay back four times over. He suddenly got this revelation of how great he was and how amazing he was and that the money isn't what made him great. What did Jesus say? There's another time these dudes, these religious leaders, dragged this woman that they caught in the middle of adultery, right? And they bring, him, they bring her right before Jesus, and they're like, oh, we're going to trap him. He's going to have to say something wrong here, you know? And they're like, Jesus, the law says that a woman caught in adultery should be stoned, not with drugs, okay? I have to clarify that nowadays. Like, we just passed last Friday, right? Okay, here's the deal. You got to be clear about this, right? Should be thrown rocks at her until she died. That was the Jewish law culture: is that a woman caught in adultery is to be stoned to death on the spot. So they literally drug her out in the street and said, "Jesus, if you know, if you're a real believer, you know, real solid religious man, you're going to follow the law and you're going to help us stone this woman." And Jesus, this is another hidden little secret in the Bible. Jesus does what? He kneels down, and it says he writes in the dirt, in the sand. And then they keep arguing with him, and he stands up, and he goes, any of you that are without sin, go ahead, throw the first rock. And they all go like, oh, crap. But I I'm, I'm kind of going like, that statement doesn't feel that powerful all on its own. I think it's what he wrote in the dirt that got their attention. I don't know if he was writing down, like, names of women they had had affairs with. <laughs> I like to think that. And the guys are all standing there going, how does he know about her? You know, like, I don't know. Don't, that's not Bible. I'm saying, like, when my imagination runs on this, like, what caught the attention of all of these guys that they were like, oh, all he says is, whoever of you are without sin, look at the ground, can cast the first stone. And they all go like, okay, bye. And Jesus turns to this woman who's been caught in absolute, like, she was, and in this culture specifically, it was stupid, but women were blamed for things like this, and not, where's the man? I just want to punch him in the face, okay? But, but I want to honor him, too. I'm not, <laughs> God, forgive me. All right, here's the deal, though. Jesus looks at this woman, and all the people left, all of them, everyone, and Jesus goes, who's, who's, your, who's here to accuse you? And she kind of goes, well, nobody's here, you know. And he goes, guess what? Neither do I. And he dug the gold up out of that woman's life and said, look, go. Stop this way of living. He didn't go like you. Blah. But put yourself in that moment. What's your attitude toward her? Not This isn't judgment zone. Like, oh, it's like, no, it's not. But it's like, man, does it take the, the, a different heart and a different place of understanding who you are. Jesus was so full of the truth of who he was, it was like nothing could set him off in the wrong way. And he saw this woman and was like, look, that's not who you are. Your circumstance, your situation is not who you are. Get up off the ground. Go. And don't do this anymore. Crazy stuff, guys. Ah. There's so many things I want to cover. The woman at the well was another one. Jesus, the Samaritan woman, she was drawing water at noon. That wasn't normal. The only reason a woman would be down at the well to draw water at noon when it's like 1,000 degrees in the desert is she was an outcast of her society too. The, all, the, all the 
okay good women came in the evening when it was cool or the morning. She came in the middle of the day because that was the only time she could come out in public and not be scorned and judged. And Jesus meets her there. And he's not allowed to talk to Samaritans because he's a Jew and there was all this political stuff or whatever. And she's a woman and men weren't to talk to women, especially not Samaritan women. And Jesus walks up, hey, would you get me some water? And she's like, ah, like, what's going on? And then he goes on to tell her all about her life, not in a judgmental way, but just kind of shows, hey, look, I know who you are. And I know that that's not you. And he said, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink and you'd never be thirsty again. He doesn't go like, and he does, he pulls out like, hey, I know that you're not married. And I know you've had several husbands. He says all this stuff, and she's like, whoa. The result of this lady's life being honored by the Son of God in the flesh, like in a totally countercultural way. She goes back to her town and says, come and meet the man who told me everything about my life. And the entire city got saved through the woman who shouldn't have been at the well ever. That's crazy stuff, you guys. But this comes out of a place of honoring who you are. We're going to show a quick video clip because this is what, this is the result when you know who you are and you can find the golden people. Most of you have never heard of this movie, but it's called Cool Runnings. And yes, we had to edit this scene because the language isn't church appropriate, but we're going to, you still get the crux of what's going on in this. Yeah. Is it ready? All right. Go for it, Lynn. He storms out. It goes out to the bar and gets starts a big fight. <laughs> it's really funny. It gets it's bad, but but he's like, if you know the movie at all, he's this super like straight A student. His dad's a doctor. His dad expects him to be a doctor. This is like Jamaican bobsled team. They've never seen ice in their world, right? In their whole life, they're at the Olympics, and this little guy is like, I guess you know, and he's so sheepish and so shy and doesn't know what's possible and potential in his life. And this teammate go, brings him in the bathroom, and he's like, for crying out loud, what do you see? He's like, a junior. You know, and that was him, like, the whole movie through. And he's like, but he goes, and he's like, no, but I see something else. And what's really cool, and I love that line, it's not about what I see. It's about what you see. Because you can come here at Airborne every Wednesday and every Sunday. You can go to church and you'll hear your youth staff tell you you're incredible. Tell you you're awesome. Pray stuff over you. Tell you what God's saying about you. But until you choose to see what we're seeing and what God sees, you're missing the honor of your own life. And you're missing the ability to give love to the people around you. Because you can only love them as much as you love your own self. I mean, that's just God like kingdom principle. Love your neighbor as yourself. One of these speakers that comes, I shouldn't even say it, but he said that's a really big as in that verse. As. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> the big. Anyway. Some of you caught it. 
Anyway, so big as yourself. Okay, does this make sense? I know. <laughs> okay, whatever. I know we were very serious until that moment, right? Some of us are 11 in here. I know. It just went like this. It's, like, it's all good. Okay. But listen, love your neighbor as you love yourself. What does that look like for you? And again, it comes down to a place of who's getting credit for where it's at. So I jotted down four things here. How do you honor yourself? Let's just be really practical for a minute. Call out the devil on his lies. Number one, every time you hear something that doesn't say you're amazing, say, devil, you're a liar. Like, really tell him. That's what Jesus did. Devil came to him in the desert, right? I'm not going to do the whole story. And basically said, if you're the son of God, blah, blah, blah. Jesus goes, I got more than that. He just, like, blew him off and gave him scripture and gave him truth from God. And the devil's like, you know. Devil tried two more times. Jesus goes, stop. Don't even. I know who I am, and there's nothing to it. So that's number one. We would call it rebuke the devil in churchy terms, but just call him out on his lies because he's all he is is a liar. And if it doesn't sound like it's from God, it's not. How about that? Call him out and just be like, that's not who I am. Number two, look for the golden people, right? Two, two, two. Number two, look for the golden people. Number three, this one's a little harder. Believe it when someone calls the gold out in you. Don't go, ah, no, I'm not. That's the devil. And you can go back to number one. Call him out. Be like, yes, you are. When somebody calls out the gold in your life and tells you you're incredible, tells you you're gifted, tells you you're talented, say, thank you. I appreciate that compliment. And then turn your heart and just say, God, thank you for making that true in me. Because that's number four. Remember who put the gold there in the first place. It's really easy to find the gold when you know who put it there. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like an Easter egg hunt. It's like, oh, I know where mom hides things. Do you know what I mean? To know, to know the hider makes it easier to find the gold. So press in and go, like, God, show me the gold in people's lives around me and have a heyday party with this every day at school. Imagine the impact if you spend your entire day, like Steve was saying, he's like, my goal is every person I ever come in contact with walks away feeling amazing. Come on. There's nothing that compares. You want to be accepted. You want to be popular. Whatever the world is saying you should be, ought to be. Is there really a better possible way to get there? Then by making every person who comes in contact with you feel incredible about who they are when they walk away. Holy cow. But that starts with you feeling incredible as you walk up to them. And knowing that God put the gold in your life. God is what defines it. God is who refines it. And that will change the world that you live in every single day. So stand up. Come on. Come on, that's the good life. The good life. Come on, take three steps up and shut up. How about that? Shh. Come on, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you right now to rebuke, call out the devil on one of his lies that he's said over you. 
in the last 24 hours. It shouldn't be hard because it's all he does. Each and every one of us have things that we've short changed ourselves on. I'm not whatever enough or whatever, and we're going to cover more of that next month. Call out one lie and just go, devil, I just rebuke that because I know God says something else about me. Come on, guys. Find your time in God's word. That was how Jesus called out the devil's lies. He's like, well, how do you know what's a truth, what's a lie? How do you know it's from the devil? What's from God? Get in God's word, and you actually start to know what he sounds like. Makes it a whole lot clearer. Like, holy cow, that's not in the Bible. I rebuke it. Very simple. If you're kind of like, I don't know. Maybe that is in the Bible. Maybe I am stupid. Like, maybe I am ugly. Maybe I am too tall, too short, too ugly. Not athletic enough. Like, whatever. You can call it out, and you can be like, oh, yeah, the devil's lied to me about that one a million times. You start to go like, oh, that's not in the Bible. God actually says I'm incredible. I'm a temple. He wants to live inside me. There's power in that. And the one last thing I want you to do tonight is I want you to put the face of someone in your mind that you can honor tomorrow, someone that you'll see. If you're homeschooled, mom would be a real good start. Have you ever tried finding the gold in your parents? Oh, man. Or your teacher? I know, right? Oh, my son just goes, that's hard. Good. (laughs) Then you've got a challenge. All right. No, I'm kidding. Your teacher, one of your friends, somebody that makes your life miserable, literally put their face in your mind right now, stare into their eyes and say, God, what's the gold in that person? If Jesus could find it in the adulterous woman, the thief tax collector, the outcast woman of society, we could go all the way down the list because all 12 of his disciples were losers too by the cultural standards. (laughs) And he changed the whole world with those 12 guys. So there is nobody that you can't find gold in if you're willing to mine it a little bit. So find that person in your mind right now. Close your eyes and see them. And just say, God, speak to me tonight. Give me a dream about that person that I would see something so clear. Mm. God, I thank you for the incredible young people that are in this room right now, God. And I just right now, and all the youth staff agree with me, we just rebuke the lies of the enemy over this generation. And we declare your love, your goodness, the gold that you've established in every one of their hearts and lives, God. We look for that and we see that and we know, God, that there's such great value in every one of these students, Father. And we declare, God, that the gold would begin to shine, God. That we'd begin to polish off those little areas that are cloudy and not not clearly seeing it, God. But we'd pull that out to the surface and we'd see it, Father. God, we just declare your love over everyone in this room, God. And we declare it over the friends, the family members, the people we're thinking in our minds. God, let us move in honor through this world, God. We have such an opportunity with your Holy Spirit within us, something Daniel didn't even have. We have you in us, giving us eyes to see straight through the dirt and the mess and the yuck to find the gold inside every person. 
Thank you for your power in us, Father. In Jesus' awesome name, amen. Love you guys so much. For real, if you want prayer for anything, come find a leader. We just pray for anything. Hey, Trent, love you. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.